Welcome back, as always, to A Voice in the Distance Ministries, as we're going to be in Exodus chapter 22, if you have your Bible with you. And it's uh, been an interesting adventure through the book of Exodus here with us. We uh, recently went through chapter 21. And these were laws and concerning numerous different things. We looked at laws concerning that of servants, which we look at as, as like modern day employees, if you will. Uh, law concerning violence. Uh, law concerning animal control laws. These are a lot of things that we look at today. But what this was, was God elaborating on, on the laws that he gave within the Ten Commandments. He, but he went further with it. He was giving some detailed instruction. And as we go through chapter 22 today, uh, I'm going to ask that you follow along very closely because I'm going to cover a lot of different ground. And, and, each chapter basically uh, covers a handful of things, and that's what I'd like to do. You know, I could go on an in-depth outlook on, on verses, if you will, but I like to cover chapters at this time. And I like to get through it, uh, I like to, get through it to the point, uh, because again... Each chapter, again, as it was written, gives, gives quite a bit. Uh, you know, if you had, your, if you had a sandwich... Uh, it's either going to be thick or thin. And uh, this one here is going to be somewhat of a thick sandwich, but it's going to be filling. And I want to make sure that, that we cover it, you know. And, and again, I like to give uh, chapter studies because a lot of times we can go on and on on a handful of verses. And I don't want to be, you know, somebody with a lot of words that has nothing to say, but I, w- I want to make sure that it's being taught. For, for what it's saying within, within the whole chapter, if you will. And, and so the, the continuation of God's law is being given to us in elaborating on what he did from the commandments. You know, okay, we know that we shall not murder. We, should, we, we shall have no other gods before us. Um, honoring our mother and father with a promise. Um, we should not steal. We should not covet. Uh, we should not be, uh, bear false witness. Well, when we read those things, we, we gather them, okay, we, we know what they are, we know this, and, and it's important for us to know exactly what it was that God was referring to. And, and God is good all the time because he gives us uh, direct instruction. He gave us just that. I'll give the example of, of um, you know, again, in the commandments, and you could go back and listen to it, but thou shalt not murder you know, a lot of people say thou shall not kill, but it, what it was was premeditated murder in what God was basically uh, commanding in that commandment. So when it came to uh, when it came to fighting as a soldier, or when it came to self defense, okay, that that was not what God was referring to. He God was referring to to murder as of a premeditated act. You know, and. You know, we could look at the coveting act of the whole thing, you know, the whole coveting part of it all, which was more of an internal sin that more, more so than an external sin that we practice, like that of stealing or violence. But, you know, God again gives us, He gives us the whole, uh, the whole outlook. He's like, you know, I'm gonna explain more to you so that way you have a better understanding. So again, I want to look at what he's saying here, and we're going to, we're going to be looking at, again, a lot of different things. If you're a note taker, well, then uh, have your pen and paper ready, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, but if anything, if, if you don't have a Bible, I read it to you. But it's good. It's good for you to see it yourself, because again, this stuff here that we're looking at are things that we practice today. This, these things we're looking at are the things that God implemented from the beginning, the laws that we practice in our societies were, were given to us from God, but, not, but we don't give the credit to God. 
Well, we want to give credit where credit's due, because again, the word of God stands true, because it was the Lord himself who basically implemented the things that we follow. He gave it to Moses to give to the people because they lived in a they lived in a slavery all these years in the Egyptian kingdom. So now that they're going to be going to their promised land, there's going to be a set of laws that, that God instituted for them to live by, so that way they can live, you know, peaceably amongst each other, and they know what to do when. Unfortunately, I have to say when <laughs> they're going to commit acts because for thousands of years these things that we witness are being done in, in even to our modern day age maybe even more so now. So we need God. We need His Word. And, and we need to follow His Word. So I pray as always that you, will, uh, that you will observe closely with us here as we take a look to see just exactly how good God is and how He in- instructed things. So in chapter 22 and verse 1 through 8 it said, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed and and lets uh, loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep and is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. So again, quite a bit here to go over, but I'm going to do the best as possible. But see, it would have been interesting to see how much theft was around back then compared to now. Because, again, there are, there are the laws of God, right? Moses is reading them off of this. This was not the, the brainchild of Moses. He was the verbal deliverer of God's law and planned for these things. God was about restoration, and this was an example of such. Because restoring what was stolen, restoring what was destroyed, we can easily put these things into perspective in what God was doing. And that was to protect the nation, to organize the nation and focus on the nation's attention uh, of God and his ways. You know, I said in the previous message in chapter 21, if you heard it, that we practice these laws today. But in some cases, we have made things a little more lax than, than these days. We, we see why God is good observing these laws. We can say it makes sense because they didn't have a prison system in these days. So restitution was to be paid back double or more. If someone steals but cannot pay back because they have nothing, then the thief was to work for the victim. And and today and for some time we have uh, we have had something that we like to refer to as community service. <laughs> if, if a fine cannot be paid, then they have so many hours of community service given by a judge in a court of law. But if a thief breaks in and you have to defend yourself, it was lawful, as it is now. But in daylight, you are not to take their life. 
That's interesting. God was protecting even the thief, even though the thief was wrong, but you were not to take his life if you were able to see him in the daylight versus that in the nighttime. If he was there to not just break into your house, but to harm you as well. And then he covers burning down a vineyard or a home. It was also to be restored in in the percentage of its worth. You know, it's interesting because some time ago in Tucson, Arizona, uh, somebody wanted to propose to his girlfriend with some form of pyro or firework. And he did it, right? But due to that, it caused a very large fire burning a large amount of acres. And I cannot remember the amount, but they had to pay $500 a month for 20 years as restitution for the fire. Okay, and this fire was caused by, you know, fire caused some people have have even gotten life in prison for some uh, sorts of arson acts. So in the holiness of God, this could not be enjoyable for the Lord to have to do this. But it was necessary for the existence of mankind here on earth in order for God to have to give these laws to us. Because this was all due to the fall of mankind. That's why I say God probably could not have enjoyed this. Because he, this was not in his plan from the get-go until we fell. And, and I, I'd imagine God, God not enjoying this, knowing that these things would happen because of the fall of mankind. See, you'll hear me say on occasion that God never knew sin or could sin, or nor could he do wrong, but thank the Lord that he knew how to clean up the mess. It's interesting, you know, what we learn nowadays. We, uh, we like to use this cleaning solution called 409. And apparently it was called that, it was called 409 because it was the 409th time that it took to get the chemicals right for the job. But God gave the solution one time, and to this day it stands true. It stands right because the word of God is everlasting. Why? Because the solution was to help with easing pain that we've caused. It helps the other person be a little more forgiving by these laws. It was designed to help the one who caused it to think twice, if you think about it, too. Right? Next time, uh, though there are many who just don't seem to get it, but it was designed for that. But as I always, I thank the Lord for his grace and mercy, and most of all, his long-suffering, because we need it badly, right? Now, let's take a look at verses 9 through 13 real quick, as it says... For any kind of trespass, whether it concerning an ox or a donkey, a sheep, or clothing... Or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, or a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, or it's hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it, and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. See, this is the reason why we put our names on our children's names on, or our names or our children's names on their clothing, <laughs> or, or their property, their toys, so that way there was proof of ownership, right? They may not have done this in these days, but finders keepers was always around. People lost items all the time, and in some cases the one who finds it, if not claimed, could keep it. 
Now, in these days, if the owner lost it and someone finds the object, it was still the owner's object. If, if there was a dispute, then it was brought to the judges to handle, which Moses had um, instituted particular judges and elders for these cases. Now, in the case of an animal, if an animal is killed or harmed in the care of another person, that the one watching the animal would give his word that they knew nothing, or it could not, or or, or the fact that he he could not protect it, then the owner was to accept his word. But if he was lying, then God would deal with him. You know, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul gave instruction on disputes with fellow believers. He said that they were not to take another Christian, another believer to court, especially to a secular court. You know, they were they were to handle it amongst themselves or within the leaders of the church if it comes down to it. Now, let's look at verses 14 and 15 real quick. It says, and if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not uh, being with it, he shall surely make it good. But if its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. Now, I, I can personally relate to this as well as many others, because I remember one time I borrowed a tool. I think it was a drill or something from someone I used to work with. Uh, and on the job, what had happened was is I, I put it on the back bumper of my car just for a second to go inside to get something from inside of a house. I come out and it's gone. And no one nearby has seen what happened. But there was a resident, uh, there was a resident who lived in the neighborhood riding by on a bicycle. And he circled around a few times. And as he came around, as I was looking for it, I asked him if he had seen the drill or if anyone around with it. And he drove by and he said, yeah, I seen it. And he, and he smiled and he said, I should have taken it. And what looked like a joke, it looked more like a guilty cover-up from the way he looked. And then and, and by the comment that he made. Now, I didn't see it on him. I didn't see who took it. But God knows who did. And I, I, I still replaced it for the guy I worked with. And one of my friends uh, that I worked with said, well, that was noble of you to replace it. But it was simply the right thing to do. Why? And I look at it because it was the originator of the law, God himself. See, we cannot say that it, that it is our morals. We cannot say it's our, philo- our philosophical belief in doing right when it was God who gave the law. People in law enforcement or those in court will say, I didn't create the laws, I am here to uphold them or to enforce them. Because the principles were addressed to the victims, the causes, or, and also to the judges. The judges were to be of integrity and to uphold them. If there were no fear of wrongdoers, even in even uh, in law enforcement, then we would never have had to have internal affairs in our police departments, okay, uh, in our police force who investigates the wrongdoings with law enforcement officers. We have to remember that there is there is one in control. No king, no president, no judge is over that of God because they are merely pawns being moved by the hand of God. Because human leadership is temporary. God will never leave his throne, as many kings will, and, okay, and, and his robe never comes off at the end of the day, nor will it ever retire after a term. He is eternal as his throne is, as his robe, as his ways and authorities are eternal. 
And may we live knowing that God is always in control, though things may seem bad. It's something important we have to remember. Take a look at verses 16 and 17. Now we're looking at moral and ceremonial principles. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. You know how things have changed. Uh, we see this and scoff at it with comments of, of well, we should be doing these things to see if we're compatible. You know, we've heard many things until until they were stricken with a disease or an unwanted pregnancy where a child grows up without both parents and many other things. Uh, but this was in the form of purity in God's design. God designed marriage and sex with, with, uh, within it, not within numerous partners. Virgins were to remain as one until marriage. Why? Because it was a precious gift in wait for the spouse to come when it was given away, or in the case taken from a girl, it was also taken from the husband-to-be. This was important to God. If, if someone was sly enough to seduce a woman, then, then he had to marry her to protect her purity. Even if she was enticed, okay? Now, I'm not sure what the price was because it said there was a price to pay for a virgin. I don't know what the price was, but I'm sure it was, it was pretty large in cost. Because paying money always seemed to be a detour for crimes. But, uh, but sometimes no amount of money can replace one's innocence. But now we're going to be looking at the capital crimes here in verses 18 to 24. Now, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. He who sacrifices to any god except to the Lord only, he shall be shall utterly destroyed. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. And you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way... And, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children will be fatherless. Wow. So again, here, a sorceress was to be put to death. And that would be like a witch, okay? Why? People question this. Well, that's, that's harsh. The abilities of these things were of the devil. Because sorcery was also known as the Greek word pharmakia. It's where we get the word pharmaceutical from. So it, it would be in drug use or occult practices. Uh, ancient Egyptians were some of the first known for these practices. If you, remember, if you remember before when Moses contended with Pharaoh's sorcerers, it did not go well. And to this day, even certain um, tribes of, of um, tribes in South America and Mexico and other places where... Um, they would actually drink hallucinogens so that way they can speak with their spirits. And so again, that's not what God implemented. These things are these things are darkness. When others were led into this, they were led into the dark realms, not into God's presence. And it was a willing defiance toward God for the following of evil. And then He covers lying with an animal. 
Well, that was out of God's design and was blasphemy. And again, when God said it was not to be done, the reason being for that was because it was typically being practiced within the pagan nations surrounding the areas. God in the first commandment said, You shall have no other gods before me. And again, all of these wild practices that God is saying shall not happen was due to the belief of other gods. Other gods that did not exist. Leading other people into darkness and death. And now we have the mistreatment of others. Okay, also detestable in God's eyes. Strangers coming through the land were not to be harmed. God moved the Israelites to Egypt 400 years later. Moved them out and it was due to this command. A stranger was to obey the laws of the land, right? But they were, but they were not to be harmed because they were not from there. As I live in America, I have made wonderful friends. Friends like that of family from other places. And, and I pray that God may be pleased. And widows and orphans were to be cared for, never harmed. Right? A husband to a wife and parents to children were special. They were protectors, providers, loved by the design and purpose of God. They had a special place in the heart of God. And by that they should be special to us. Because God commands, God's command causes us to think about the life of the widow or the orphan. And if you oppress them, then you will be put to death. And your wife will be a widow. Your children will be orphans. Think about them and consider those who are already suffering. That's, you know, consider those who are already suffering that fate. Because this follows into the New Testament. Especially in the book of James as it says that true religion is caring for the widows and for the orphans. And may we always do that with love. Amen? God is always good. Verse 25 to 31. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to, to him. You shall not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. If his garment for for his skin, what will he sleep in? And and it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your and your juices. The firstborn of your sons shall uh, you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me. And you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field, and you shall not throw it to the dogs. Or you shall throw it to the dogs, I'm sorry. So, if someone is new to reading the Bible, see, God has a special place in his heart for the poor, as for the widow and the orphan. The command for a loan was to never charge interest among their brothers and sisters. This is something first, uh, first-time first readers see and envy because of the interest cost in today's loans. <laughs> the Jews were, to this, day, to this day, I think, you know, it was always a law that they were not supposed to charge interest to one another. God commanded social responsibility for one another. Never to capitalize 
right, on, on one another for personal gain. And taking their garment was an important thing to them. They didn't have clothing factories. It was a time-consuming trade and probably expensive and most probably, and most likely they probably only had one of each item. It was a coat. It was a blanket or even used as a carrying sack as they were traveling through the desert all those years. So God commanded it to be returned to evening for the use of that evening. Now it sounds to me like a, a wise but yet loving command. And now to revile God and to curse the judges he, that he put in charge was blasphemy. And Moses actually will be a witness to this and the judgments as well as well those who cursed him as we, as we will see later on throughout later chapters. <clears throat> but the important command here is giving God your firstborn son in dedication. The command is to give God first of all things in worship. First the harvest of the best of the sacrifices. You know, Israel was the firstborn to God. God spared the firstborn of their children when they left Egypt. So it was fitting that they dedicated the firstborn son to God. And he said, you shall be holy to me. In the last verse. Not eating an animal that was shredded by another animal. And it was, uh, it was understandable for the sake of the person that we, that we will have laws given in the book of Leviticus. It was for the protection of the people. That if they ate such a thing, it could make you deathly sick. Actually to the point of death. So second, they were not to act like another animal. And in the book of Leviticus, one of the most important passages in the book, or even in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, one of their most, uh, one of their most important passages was, Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. God paints a clear picture, right? These are things that we follow around the world. God instituted these laws, these attributes, and, and this was proof of the creator of earth. Okay, the, the creator of heaven, the universe, mankind, and even our own moralistic and judicial laws were from the creator of all things. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that today, even in our day and age, in, in Jewish communities, the crime rates are pretty minimal there. I'm, they're not perfect, but it was found to be less than other communities. Because there is a following of the laws. It is a dedication, it is a dedication to study and to apply these things that we just read. It's mandatory from their youth to even older age. And, and the word of God is never void that way. But if we do not receive the Lord in our hearts, then all we're, all we're doing is we're just observing the word. Because when we receive him as Lord and Savior, then we are in relation with him because many people believe in him but do not receive him. Many people will look at you and say, you're just like your mother or your father. Sometimes in good ways, a lot of times it's used in a negative, in the negative ways of pointing out your flaws. But when we receive Christ, we become more like him. And that, and that is always best because he lives within us. And by that, we will be able to receive his word with gladness and with obedience. And when we receive him, we receive everlasting life. A free ticket to heaven with the Lord in our presence. And, and as always, the opportunity can be right now if you feel led to receive him as Lord and Savior. I spoke of orphans and widows earlier. And by having him... 
is having him, you will never again be an orphan or a widow. You'll never be one of those anymore. And you can say this prayer with me if the Lord has led you. Jesus said when he died, or before he died, he says, I'm going to be sending one. You will not be as orphans. You will have a guide. And that was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, if you are feeling, if you are feeling this nudge to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about. And you can receive Him, and you will no longer be an orphan, you will not be a widow, you will not be fatherless. And if you've had your parents, maybe you've had a good life, and you'll say, well, I don't really need the Lord. I've, had, I've got everything I've, I need. Well, let me tell you right now, this is an eternal thing. Not a, not a worldly, temporal thing, which even Satan can provide those for people. And that's how he fools many. This is an eternal thing. A relationship with the Lord and Savior who came and died for you and I. A Lord and Savior who wants you in heaven for all eternity with him. And you have the opportunity, if you want to take that right now, by a simple prayer of receiving Him into your heart as Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to wash me and cleanse me, Lord, of all of my sins. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for coming, Lord. And I receive you now as my Father. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. As Lord, I want to walk with you all of the days of my life. And may I stay close at all times. For Father, I love you. And I praise you as I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I've always said, you know, during these times that we save the best for last. And that is the best for last. Receiving the Lord as, as, as your Savior. Receiving Him for that of eternal life. Why wouldn't we want that, right? A lot of people question, does God exist? Does heaven exist? Well, absolutely. Look around you. We wouldn't have had the Word of God if it weren't for those who observed Him and knew Him. So I want you to, to walk closely with Him, and I pray you'll continue to follow along as we venture through the Bible to see and know God more and more. So may He bless you always and your families. God bless you.